Yeah, 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 yeah. Got the noises in my headphones. Make some noises with your mouth. Check one, two. Yes, yes. Mouth noises. Okay. Check one, um, two. We give it a crack, so. Yes. Uh, Good evening. <laughs> Welcome to episode number 12 of Turning Earth. Konasatashiv. How are you? Mahan Bukel. The Koopa Fuckel, Egg Eric, Unchin. Well, yeah. Koopa Fuckel, wine. No, not much, folks. Um, so this is yeah the twelfth episode of our the the semi regular environmental podcast turning earth, um, we've got some good news, which is that we are now sponsored by Glushocht Glushocht for global justice. They're an environmental NGO that have been part of the environmental movement in Ireland for years now. Uh, they're involved in stuff like uh, media analysis and running workshops and training and stuff like that. So you can check them out Glushocht.ie. They have helped us financially. They have yet. They've we have uh, earned it. We're good. <laughs> um. So yeah, they've they've very kindly paid for our uh, our podcast hosting, so we can have more episodes up online, no download limit, none of that crack. Um. You can pay the internet, man. So big thanks to Glushock for that. We also need to add a disclaimer, um, which is that although they are supporting us, um, they they're supporting us out of a desire to support independent media that's talking about climate change, but they do not endorse any of the views that we may express here. My opinion um, is not necessarily the opinion of my employer. It, well, in yeah. this case, sponsor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so basically... In other it, words, Soros. Yeah, exactly. So if you, if you take issue with Anthony, we say, talk to George Soros, don't talk to Glusha. <laughs> yeah. We all know who's really pulling the strings. Um, There's some of them Soros checks. Um, but yeah, seriously, if, if, if Anton we say it bothers you, talk to us directly. And in general, even if actually just, yeah, send us an email or send us a message if you want to correct that and we said or if you want to argue. Yeah, I think we're to... going to mention that at the end, but we might as well mention it now. Yeah, we're always open for more words and collaborations and yeah. telling us we're being silly and all those yeah. kinds of good things or, or or just general contributions, you know, because we're trying to stimulate debate here, folks, and yeah. trying to be good, do good things. So if there's anything we covered arseways or if there's stuff that you think we should talk about that we haven't brought up at any stage, give us a shout. If you want to argue with us, please do that. I love being right and uh, <laughs> telling people how right I am and how wrong they are. I'm correct. I've always um, been correct. But I also like being told when I'm not right so that I can learn. So um, that's also nice. It's not as nice as being right, but um, <laughs> that's the crack. So anyway, enough of that rambling. Um, time for some other rambling. This this month's episode uh, is about fossil fuels, more specifically about the campaign group not here, not anywhere, who are resisting oil and gas infrastructure here in Ireland as part of a global movement doing the same. Yeah, Ge- general oil and gas infrastructure. So it's a really cool, well thought out movement. Uh, we have a good interview coming up this episode. Yeah, I, saw, I was hanging out yesterday with uh, Aideen O'Doherty and uh, a- a- Richard Curtin from Not Here, Not Anywhere. So we had a chat. So we play that for you now in a few minutes. Before we play the interview, there's a few other things we're going to talk about. The episode in general, we're going to be just be talking about fossil fuels and how we're so heavily dependent on them as a society for our energy production and therefore for everything else, you know, for our transport, for our energy. So everything, yeah, everything really turns on it, like heavily depends on it at the moment. Anyway, that is changing, and that's something we talked to Richard and Nadine about yesterday about how renewable energy is is uh, becoming an, an ever. Is renewable energy is, is 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 it's not a pie in the sky thing anymore. It's now what's yeah. what's running a lot of countries at the moment. It's being pursued more certainly. I know there's some big uh, projects that I was just reading earlier today. Is big project in Spain. They want to make as much. As, they claim that they want to make as much as ninety percent 
dependent on renewables in the by uh, in the next 20 30 years i don't know the figures at the time lying exactly in front of me and um, at this very moment but that's a hugely ambitious project but apparently that's, you know in spain's case it's because they're so uh have such problems with uh, water resources and, and, and wildfires, not unlike California and the like. Yeah, yeah. Not to go off on a tangent because that's, that's not officially on our list. It's something I remembered there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's still, I mean, the episode is still going to be about fossil fuel, ultimately. Um, one thing I wanted to mention and bring up um, that actually still follows on from the IPCC report. I think there's a lot to dissect in the IPCC report, by the way. Sorry, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, I believe it stands for. Yeah. <laughs> to give it by its the proper U- title. The UN report that had re- everybody talking in the last month or so. The one with the, we need to reduce within 12 years, 45% of our CO2 emissions. But um, Shell have been, this was actually a friend of ours, Nathan, who sent us this, this article. It's very interesting. Shell, the same Shell that we've talked about many times in the past. The same Shell who pulled out of the Carob gas project in Mayo, which is a big part of our, you know, history, mm. um, because of oil and gas not being as profitable as it used to be. That very same Shell uh, have been boasting about how they helped to write the Paris Climate Agreement and had a lot of input into it, um, which is a strange thing for a company like Shell to boast about, isn't it? But, um, I mean, I think they were boasting probably more or less internally or not necessarily to other groups that are environmentalists themselves. But in any case... Uh, they've been talking that Shell's chief climate change advisor David Hone made the comments at the COP24 just the other day he was talking about how much his company because of their involvement with the International Emissions Trade Trading Association had written had written the Paris Agreement now he was boasting about this you know because they're very influential all the rest of it something along that I think was his kind of angle on it mm, or whatever yeah. they were talking about Article 6 uh, of the agreement of the Paris Agreement and basically, this is to do with, and we may have talked about this in the past, actually, but uh, carbon trading, which is a total scam. Let's let's take this opportunity to just totally debunk it. Um, it's really nasty because, you know, what Shell do isn't just, it's not just a case of CO2s being emitted, you know. It's been shown how in Nigeria, where they've really destroyed the Niger, De- Niger Delta, where there's huge, huge uh, leaks of, of, of oil into local water supplies. You can't even eat the fish there, that kind of thing. Um, people having, you know, abscesses and the like on their face and problems with, with, their, with the skin and respiratory systems because of gas flaring, which yeah. I was saying to you as well earlier. That's gas that flaring is happening in Mayo as well. Although yeah. you can't compare, in fact, you can't compare the destruction. Oh, they've completely, completely eviscerated the Niger Delta. Like it's yeah, it's incredible um, what they've and done. And they're embroiled in a huge con- corruption scandal with former Nigerian uh, natural resources minister and an Italian uh, oil and gas company ENI. I think they're called. Um, yeah, we talked about that before. All right, they're being pursued in uh, human rights courts over that. Um. But uh, can you describe you talk you talk about carbon trading there just for people who aren't totally familiar with what that actually means? Like yeah. What what does that involve? So somebody in one part of the world, some some company, does something to do uh, carbon capturing. So it's like in in it the approach is you know basically the wrong approach in that instead of actually going straight to source and stop releasing carbon at source and stop extracting, which is what the whole episode is, is about here. It's, it's instead of stopping extracting oil and gas fossil fuels in the first place because that's the only viable approach really instead you just buy you just pay for this offset for someone that somewhere else has 
uh, implemented one of these kind of kind of non-proven technological, possibly even dangerous um, activities to try to caption carbon elsewhere. So you're trying to balance out your carbon by it somehow being capture kind of, carbon. Trying to capture the carbon, trying to capture the carbon dioxide elsewhere with ways that it's not really even clear how it's, it even would be done, you know. But it's like this semi-theoretical kind of way of doing things. I think with a lot of things like that, it's like they'll oh, they'll they'll buy a bit of forest somewhere. Yeah, that go, kind oh, look, of, that's yeah. our carbon sink, so we can we can keep producing this gas because we've yeah. got this carbon sink. But they just bought a bit of forest that already existed, you know that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's complete it, nonsense. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it is a nonsense. And it, it's kind of a way of. Yeah, people who don't produce much carbon can sell their carbon credits to a company so that company has a load of carbon credits so they can keep doing their thing. Yeah. And they, yeah, it's just, yeah. it's nonsense. It does, it, it's proven to not actually make a difference as well. Yeah. I mean, Shell, from their perspective, they have to pursue this because it doesn't make sense for them to exist as a company. For Shell to approach this the way that would be correct to do it, to stop extracting car- uh, fossil fuels at source which is you know, keep it in the ground yeah. they would have to lose 70 something like 74 percent of their business that's 74 percent of their business or 80 percent of their business something mm. in that range so it wouldn't make sense for them to be viable as a company doing that way so they have to approach it at this uh um offset carbon trading you know nonsense which yeah. just is not going to work otherwise they're not viable as a company yeah. he's also said that, that, um, that that's something that i want to reinforce during this episode i think is that this, it's not, the transitions we need to make in order to keep the world a stable place for human beings to live in. Um, some people are going to have to lose out, and the people. Yeah. I'm going to say this now, and I hope everything we say throughout the episode will help reinforce this. The people who need to lose out are the CEOs of big oil companies, the boards of directors of big oil companies, the people who have been making billions and billions off the back of suffering and environmental destruction for the last however many decades, and. The re- like, the reason they need to do it is, is not just because they're directly responsible for the activity. You might say, "Oh, well, they're actually they're providing a need that we've all that we all ask for." You know, we all want the fuel, we all want the cars, we all want the warm houses. Yeah, which is true, but they have such a great responsibility for not just creating the mess, but also covering up the mess. You're talking there about them bragging about how much they've influenced the uh, IPCC report. They influence governments all the time. That's something we talk about in the Not Here, Not Anywhere interview, how yeah. much lobbying goes on from the oil and gas industry directly to the government. Uh, there's the Petroleum Affairs Division. They're a division of the Department of Natural Resources. They've got certain uh, study groups, um, some of which have members from Chevron and Statoil sitting on them. Yeah. So that, that, they're the people that are informing government policy. They get invited in to influence all of this. It's completely ridiculous. Yeah. Like the wolves in the hen house, so completely like. Yeah. But because they're leaders of corporations and CEOs, they get to do that. That's part of the way the whole thing works. And of course, there's lots of. I mean, they're kind of the same. They're the same social class. They're the same economic class. The people who run the oil and gas companies, the energy companies, big energy, and the people who run the government. Uh, like the, I think it's they're the head of, of uh, yeah. They're part of the same thing exactly. Yeah. Is the head of Chevron is a former French minister. Our former Taoiseach Brian Cowan walked from his role as Taoiseach onto the board of Topaz. Do you know what That's I mean? That's right, yeah. yeah. Um, there's just this, this kind of thing happens all the time. It's like you train, you train in the industry to work in politics or you train in politics to work in the industry. I think Dennis O'Brien owned Topaz at one stage as well. I think he may have sold it on. Oh, quite possibly. Yeah, yeah no, no, he did. But this yeah, is the yeah. class. This is, this, is the, this is the thing we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing mm. with. So 
So Scheller are still bad <laughs> and they want to continue existing and they're just going to have to be completely overthrown. Now, in fairness, you know, Shell are not going to be the same company now that they were a number of years ago. It's not yeah. the same level of profit profitability as it was in the past. And that's like, that's the other thing is one of the big lies that they, they, they propagate through their lobbying and through their PR is that we need them. We really don't. Yeah. It's not that we don't need them. We'd be much better off without them. Like, I mean... Yeah. In terms of quite, well, where we get our energy from, then we'll get our energy from wind. We'll get our energy from solar, yeah. and that's something we get into in the interview that will flesh that out in more detail. But there's loads, like for example, Scotland, they've recently sold their last uh, gas power plants to a company called Drax. So like Scottish Power is now 100% renewable. The company Scottish Power. I don't know if they're a semi-state body or what. Um, nice. But um, now, so I mean, that means nationally Scotland aren't using gas anymore the gas is still being used to create energy it's just being done by a private company so the fight's not over but like state governments do have a a big part to play in this in terms of like using their influence to stand up to the corporations they have the potential to to lead but of course the tendency in this country is to let the corporate sector to dictate how things are going to go and then the government yeah. just goes along with that. There's no reason it has to be that way. That's just, that's just a cultural thing, do you know? Yeah, yeah. That's just the way things have been done, but like, why not do things differently? There's no reason why not. Yeah. Like any other kind of modern kind of European country might be more inclined to do things than we do here, you know? Even in Scotland, like, it's not that far away, is it? Like, yeah, yeah. That's all I wanted to talk about. Shell there. We had a couple of other things we wanted to cover, I believe, before we uh, launched into the interview. Um, we were going to follow up about Bored and Mona and what they've been doing. Standing in the park In the sunshine In the sunshine I don't want to spend the day Cutting turf Cutting turf Standing in the park In the sunshine In the sunshine We talked about Bored and Mona a bit before. Oh, we talked about them. Um, about um, they had a really like stomach-turning, cheesy PR campaign a while ago of like just trying to make themselves appear green and sustainable. Um, and they're anything but really. If the the way the state are dealing with the peatlands at the moment is really really sad because like I said, they're letting people go, they're firing people from their jobs. Or telling them to take voluntary redundancies, whatever the fuck that means, and um, <laughs> and they're saying voluntary and voluntary, yeah, say, saying they're doing it for for because they, they you know they want to transition to a green economy, um, but they're just laying people off in the process, yeah, yeah. So it's more, it's, yeah. It's Environmental lots. scientists and peatland experts disagree with that. They say it's a smokescreen. They say they're 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 uh, they claim that they're um, they're actually closing down these things because the bogs are becoming exhausted. Um, and in some cases they're just being left abandoned so they're like yeah because they, they don't have the resources or whatever to actually take care of it properly and actually yeah. either seal well because they're firing people it. they're letting people go yeah. um, you can't call that you can't lay people off from their jobs and say say that's in the, in the name of environmentalism or climate action I mean have you ever heard such nonsense in your life you know that's bollocks yeah they could talk I mean it's like we've said before many times you can be creative and employ you can create positions to actually 
things that would be beneficial for the climate whether it's like yeah. employing the likes of farmers to be um to take care of uh, forests and the like and you reforesting areas that kind of thing just as an example off the top of my head it yeah. could be lots of other things but the point is you don't lay lay people off you need you use people as re- as resources and their resources and their time and their well, you pay them to, to do a job but actually that's a big part of the problem is that because of the the, the neoliberal ideology that the state has they think that all public services need to be profitable they don't need to be <laughs> profitable and I want to make a distinction here, by the way, between something being profitable and something earning money. So a state body, a semi-state body, can earn money to pay with the wages of its employees. Like, it doesn't have to be all funded by tax. They can generate wealth. Like, it has to generate wealth, but there's a difference between generating wealth and generating profit. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, yeah. they can generate wealth to pay the people that work for them and to keep their infrastructure going. But generating profit is like generating profit for their shareholders and becoming players in the market that's not necessary in other words exploitation yeah exactly yeah people like there's the notion out there that a healthy economy is one in which the amount of money keeps growing yeah yeah, and the amount of profit that's That's not the case a healthy healthy economy is where the money is constantly circulating that's a healthy economy absolutely right now the money's moving you keep people working you keep getting things done yeah but that's (laughs) not what I mean like I think I read that out from the Board and Mono website before that, that they're becoming a big player in the market internationally and that's what it's all about with them you know what I mean and they're not they're not actually I was looking at this earlier they're they're expanding into the peat bedding market so selling peat bedding for cattle to the agriculture industry right they're not actually going to stop extracting peat they're just going to stop burning it but they're going to keep extracting it yeah. so they're going to keep destroying these valuable ha- habitats I mean they're valuable in and of themselves they have intrinsic value because they're they're living ecosystems but in terms of how they benefit us, how they benefit human society, they're, they're carbon sinks. Yeah. And we need places like that to keep sequestering carbon, to keep sucking carbon from the atmosphere and to keep putting out oxygen. We for need a long them. time to come, yeah. We for need them. Time. Our lives depend on it. Like It's not just... Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. But they're, they're all board Namona care about and the state in general is making short-term profit for the people who don't need any more fucking money, to be we honest. We can't operate on that logic and get done what we need to get done. Yeah. It just can't be done. It can't be for a profit motivation. Yeah. It has to be discarded. There's but, no way around it, like, no so, way around it. So they're letting workers go, saying that they're, oh, we're being green, we're transitioning to a, a green economy. Yeah, and how but, dare they try to, like, mar the concept of being green, you know? Yeah. It's disgraceful. I, uh, think, I think I feel pretty justified in saying fuck them. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's... Yeah, yeah. There's, they don't, there's no... They don't... They, they I don't, don't think Glue took mind the swearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know. They, 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 I think certain things you just go beyond polite discourse. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of yeah. just like playing with people's lives for the sake of profit is just it's sickening. Like oh yeah, call a spade a spade. That's yeah. what we're here for, folks. We like to do that. Um, I don't know if you wanted to. I don't want to spend too long on it, but I wanted to mention about the the yellow vest in France. Um. I think we should definitely talk about that because it's it, it gets linked. It's another example of the state trying to d- using kind of climate change as yeah. as an excuse for more austerity, essentially. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because I was I'm just reading I was reading this article and it's you know the likes of Trump and this guy um, Brendan O'Neill I think his name is the guy who writes for um, the Spectator yeah Brendan O'Neill it's it's a British um, uh, magazine so I believe that he's He's a British commentator, but he's as right-wing as they come. He drives me up the wall. I've read him a few times before. 
talking about this is like a rebellion I'm just totally paraphrasing here I'm not quoting it all here but this is like a rebellion against you know environmentalism environmentalist politics and green policies and all this and Trump basically saying the same thing and Trump saying something very racist here about uh, the Paris Agreement is working out so well for Paris um, protests and riots all over France people do not want to pay large sums of money much to third world countries that are questionably run in order to maybe protect the environment <laughs> chanting we want Trump and then he just goes two words love France <laughs> you imagine him just saying that like just shaking his head and just kind of frowning but going love France questionably run yeah 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 have you ever seen uh, the racism of he described uh, um, African countries before as um, shithole countries but it's just so ironic him saying that I mean he, he, yeah he, he, he questionably runs a shithole like <laughs> there's something later on about him saying that the United States was the only country where emissions went down last year He's he loves saying that America's great for its uh, uh, clean air clean air air is very clean but um, despite all of that you see the, the, of course the, the French um, yellow vest what sparked it now I use the word spark very intentionally was attacks on a diesel I think I believe it was hmm. so on the face of it it's against something that is polluting the environment etc but really it was a straw that broke the camel's back not unlike the water charges here in Ireland yeah. after too many things one one more tax on everyday living that people can't take anymore basically yeah and it's 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 in, as you said it's a cover for austerity yeah and as you know and it's been as as i've seen argued that it is more about redistributing wealth upwards well distributing wealth upwards so that's it's, what the whole game is about that's all the stuff I was talking about aboard Namona that's what that's all about you know yeah yeah and it's, you know, it's we, we'll, we'll cut we'll cut our employees because that's less expenses yeah because the whole goal is to keep a profit yeah, employees and expense part. like yeah do you know what I mean but um, specifically there there was a communique issued on the t- November 23rd where the yellow vest said that France should quote put in place real ecological policy and not a few piecemeal fiscal measures end quote so I think that you know communicates pretty well that you know that is a misrepresentation mm. of what they're about and what they're doing they're not they actually want climate change to be tackled they want it to be done properly and yeah. really done so, you know so sure, as, as we know there was that article that came out a while ago uh, that or a study that 70% 100 companies are responsible for 70% of global emissions absolutely yeah it's not Think it, about that. it's not I mean definitely people driving cars and we use oil and gas to heat our homes all of these things contribute and we can't discount them but like that's not where we need to start with the work we need to start it's basically wealth inequality is the driver of this stuff really it's the, the more wealth gets hoarded the more the more pollution happens there's there's yeah. and the, 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 these these are big things to be talking about I suppose and it's, it's it, you might not directly see they're important the to be talking about that's why we do this you know if we link all these little specific things into the bigger yeah. picture you know but I mean because of that it, it, that might seem like a bit of a mad thing to draw a correlation between but there's there's loads these things happen in loads of varied and complicated ways yeah so we can get we can dig into this a bit more at the end we, now might be a good time to go into the, the chat with the with uh, Richard and Aideen where we, where we talked to them about well I, Eric wasn't around but I spoke to them about I was not I was AWOL <laughs> about the Not Here Not Anywhere campaign and the ongoing resistance to ridiculous oil and gas infrastructure in this day and age
I'm sitting here with Adrian O'Doherty and Richard Curtin from the Not Here, Not Anywhere campaign. Um, I suppose first of all, could you just want to introduce yourselves? What, uh, how did you just get in, How did you just wind up here talking to me? What happened? Uh, just in general, or my background in activism? Uh, your your own background and how did you get involved with Not Here, Not Anywhere? So. Yeah, so my own background, uh, I probably been involved in kind of environmentalism kind of campaigning since around 2011, 2012, and mainly was involved. The first taste of it was involved with the kind of anti-fracking campaign, and that took me to a lot of different uh, hotspots around the country, especially up north, when that whole kind of campaign developed. But then, obviously, in two thousand and uh, uh, seventeen, we got the fracking bill in, and that was banned. So uh, I thought I could take a sabbatical from activism for a while, but mainly, like my my kind of kind of campaign has been involved in both kind of like environmentalism, but mainly kind of climate action as well and I got involved with Not Here Not Anywhere was it was last summer and basically not too f- uh, only within a week or two after the fracking bill had come in then the uh, the government offers new license for exploration of fossil fuels yeah. offshore so the Not Here Not Anywhere group kind of formed after that to kind of build up a kind of a campaign in opposition to these granting of these licenses yeah, so. yeah. yeah it's just one thing after another uh-huh. what about yourself Adrian? Uh, yeah, so I've been involved with Not Here, Not Anywhere since about ooh, about over a year now. And um, yeah, I was involved with Young Friends of the Earth first. And uh, then I first went to a Not Here, Not Anywhere meeting when there was a presentation. Louise Fitzgerald was doing a presentation on LNG, liquefied natural gas. And I thought, like, this is mental. We can't have this in Ireland. Um, so that's when I really got interested in Not Here, Not Anywhere. Um, and... Yeah, I've been involved ever since. And um, like, I just think it's it's mad that what what kind of draws me to Not Here, Not Anywhere is that it's mad that with everything going on, the government is still granting licenses for oil exploration. It's still trying to build a big gas terminal in Kerry. You know, so it's a really, I really like that our group is very focused on, on this very kind of basic thing, which is banning fossil fuel exploration and infrastructure, which is kind of step one in terms of climate action that the government needs to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it should be a fairly obvious thing, but these things have to be pointed out sometimes, mm. I suppose. Um, I really like the name "Not Here and Anywhere." I think it's a very powerful name because it, it it recognizes the the global nature of the mm. movement and just that, that it it reinforces the the idea that we either we're all in this together or we all fail together. There's no like individual response to it. Um, but could you just tell me more specifically what are the like what are the aims of the campaign? Uh, you said it started kind of in response to the. The uh, offshore uh, oil drilling, yeah, that was proposed. Um, so, what are its its main aims at the at the moment? Yeah. So, just because it was interesting, like the kind of campaign just organically came together, and it was originally for the offshore drilling, but then there the was kind of recognition that there was a there was a need for a group to kind of focus on basically any new fossil fuel infrastructure that has to be stopped in Ireland, and also the oil and gas shore offshore drilling. So. Uh, it yeah, it kind of very very much kind of came organically together, and even with the name stuff like that, mm. there is there's a kind of a, an element of climate climate justice in it as well. Like yeah. like basically these fossil fuels, no matter where they are, they're having an impact in some community. So we have to kind of recognise that that like uh, that these the impacts they have. Like we've quite seen quite recently with the Colombian coal coming from what is burning down in Money Point. So all this kind of uh, energy that we're using every day is having an impact so we have to kind of 
move away from it as quick as possible. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so it's against, it's not just against the offshore oil drilling, but oil and gas infrastructure in general. Mm-hmm. So I think you brought that up when you were talking earlier about uh, Aideen about mm-hmm. liquefied natural gas. Could you explain mm-hmm. maybe what what that is? Because it's it's mm-hmm. probably a new term to some people. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's basically a new way of um, transporting gas around the world. Uh, so basically, liquefied natural gas is gas that is extracted and then it's frozen. And when it's frozen, it liquefies um, and then it's transported on big container ships and then it's regasified. So in Ireland at the moment, there's a plan. It's actually an American company called New Fortress Energy is planning to build a terminal on the Shannon Estuary in County Kerry. So it would be massive, like four gas terminals. It would be a regasification terminal. So basically, gas would be probably fracked in the US, and we like we know from well, Richard can tell you lots about about the effects of fracking. Um, fracked in the US, and then um, shipped over, liquefied, and then shipped over to Ireland, and then put into our network. And it it would like the terminal would produce twice as much gas as Ireland uses in a year. So it would be the gas would basically be be siphoned off through Ireland um, through the new Celtic interconnector and through the Moffat pipeline into Europe so we'd be kind of a, a what, what's the, the Celtic in, what was that the Celtic oh the Celtic interconnector is going to be the new kind of um, uh, interconnector between um, France and Ireland right I go, th- mm. that's a gas pipe yeah. Actually, I think it's an is it an electricity. No, there's there's the that's that's an electricity one. The yeah. Gal- yeah, yeah, that's electricity. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so does that mean power power generated in either place can be sent either place? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I've mm. heard of that before. But it's all it's it's kind of interesting as well with the kind of whole thing about the the Shannon Energy project as well. There's they're all going to build a 500 megawatt power station right and it looks like in the same area like in the same area mm. right on the same site basically yeah, yeah. so it's going to be used within the in the kind of cooling and for the regasification as well but obviously there's going to be lots of extra power which will be uh, exported out onto the grid the electricity so it looks like it's kind of like a total replacement for the the money point yeah, yeah, yeah. and when you kind of look at the, the thing about the whole kind of Shannon LNG and kind of <laughs> gas as well natural gas is for for the last like ten or fifteen years, we've been told that this is a bridge fuel. So basically, mm-hmm. we can move from as we move away from coal, uh, we can u- kind of use kind of natural gas as this kind of intermediate until kind of uh, renewables kind of uh, come on stream or come more as we head towards more kind of one hundred percent renewables. But unfortunately, when you look at things like the the methane leakages. Now, unfortunately, with methane, it's up to it when it's global warming potential. It's up to eighty-four times, eighty-four times more potent a greenhouse gas than carbon. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and along the entire process from uh, upstream emissions to kind of like well failures to regasification mm-hmm. to transport, there's future of gases all along. So, unfortunately, unburned methane is getting out in the atmosphere and it's having that uh, like a massive impact on climate. And the research actually shows that it's actually a dirtier fossil fuel than coal. So we're going to like possibly like shut down Money Point and have this dirtier fuel mm. going into the, the power station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it would last 40 to 50 years as well. That's the lifespan of an LNG terminal. So, I mean, so you're economically then you're locked into that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. 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 So any, you know, any resources that could go towards renewable energy or developing, you know, developing any sustainable energy, they'll go towards this massive fossil fuel plant instead. So I know he's, he's made a submission to the government with regards to the climate emergency bill. Um, 
I was going to ask if he's made any other kinds of submissions to the state in relation to the other bills that are currently being installed in the Oireachtas or did you just get any kind of response has there been any kind of interaction at all or he is kind of shouting into the void when it comes to that Hmm. So yeah, in terms of the other bills, like the climate climate emergency bill is the one that we're focusing on because it's to ban the issuing of new licenses for fossil fuel offshore fossil fuel exploration. So it's direct directly related to our campaign, whereas the other bills aren't really directly related to the campaign. But with the climate emergency bill, I mean, before it came to the second stage in the doll, we did have some meetings with TDs. Um, yeah, there was a submission as well. Um, we gave TDs a briefing, like. The interesting thing about the climate emergency bill was that it almost hinged, getting through the second stage in the doll almost hinged on one person, really. Mm. And that was when Timmy Dooley, who's Fianna Fáil's environmental, um, not advisor, what would you call him? Spokesperson, yeah. Okay, so when Timmy Dooley, who's Fianna Fáil's environmental spokesperson, when, when he sort of said, he tweeted out the night before the bill was due to be voted in the second stage that Fianna Fáil would support the bill. And that was almost the thing that kind of, because once Fianna Fáil supported it, then you know all the parties were supporting it except for the government, mm. so the bill got through to the, the to committee stage. So it was almost a, a tactical thing rather than you know Fianna Fáil actually wanting to ban the issuing of new licenses. It was almost kind of a you know this is something that will make us that will make us look good. Or mm. so it's it's interesting like that. That's how politics plays out. Like the government, mm. you know, we we all know what its climate strategy is like or what. It's climate inaction is like, so it's kind of you're you're learning about how to almost play politicians off against one another, right, right. which is kind of depressing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was because it's interesting. We had this. There was a mass lobby there on on Wednesday, and you could talk to uh, certain politicians, and they're kind of just they just it, like a lot of the politicians had the same spiel, like you know we're doing a lot in climate change, and you know we've right. this report and that report and. You just kind of get bamboozled by these numbers and figures and this and that. And like when the brass taxes come down to our missions, keep going up, mm-hmm. we keep granting license, we keep building these infrastructure. And that's like it's it's down to a simple, simple maths. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if the missions are going up, obviously your plan is not working. It's like the same when same with people my very talks about homelessness mm. when there's still a crisis, like obviously your plans aren't working. So yeah, yeah. it is it's very frustrating in that yeah, regard. Yeah. Yeah, talking about them, kind of speaking from their their script. I was reading about the uh, the, st- the like statements the state have made various times, com- basically committing themselves to oil and gas mm. production, mm. not just yeah. building new infrastructure. Um, mm. And I thought this was gas. I was reading about the Atlantic Ir- Ireland conference both last year and this year. Last year, Sean Kine spoke at it. This year, his mm. his uh, what's the opposite of a predecessor? Sean Canny. Sean Canny. Yeah, yeah that fella. Um, Successor. Successor, that's the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, they be, they both came out in, in support of it anyway, but they both said exactly the same thing. I just want to read the quote because it's uh, it's, it's a winner. It's it is. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an impressive series of lies. Uh, the <laughs> government recognises that the realisation of Ireland's offshore oil and gas resources potential can deliver significant benefits to the people of Ireland in terms of security of supply, import substitution, and fiscal return. Both Mr. Canny and Mr. Kine said that I don't even know are they, are they different people? <laughs> did, they, like, did they even go to the thing or did mm. they just issue a press statement saying mm. that or yeah. what's the crack? Because like, I mean, they're, 
they're all false. There's no security supply. It's going yeah. to be sold back to the market. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you all know this. The fiscal return. There's very little fiscal return. The, the, the corporate tax is very low, and they can tax. Yeah. They can write off loads of stuff against tax. So mm-hmm. that it is really depressing that they obviously just have this. They're just stick to the party line. That's the yeah. mm-hmm. party politics always is. There's very. It's very difficult to get through to the person. Yeah, behind behind it. it mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. even like uh, I don't know. Quite recently, with the the recent IPCC report, and it was looking at basically what is required. If, and it's like they're saying, like, okay, by t- in the next 12 years, if we want to stay within 1.5, we have to do mass reductions in fossil fuels, our emissions. Mm. And it's up to, like, 45%. Like, that's just... Like, did that to be achieved into a... It's going to take astronomical, you know, kind of societal changes. Mm-hmm. And the government just don't seem to... Either don't seem to care, or just don't seem to have the ability, or just don't, mm. don't recognise it as top priority. Like, and it's... Uh, it's it is kind of frustrating. Like uh, I, it was interesting there. Uh, even the, with the Taoiseach on Friday night, it, it was something as a it was a side thought at the conversation when he had on the late late and stuff like that. So it's it just does not seem to be uh, one of, uh, to the fort with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the companies have a lot to answer for as well. You know the oil and gas companies. Like even in, like in Ireland, we have Providence Resources, who's trying to do all that drilling off the coast of Cork and Kerry, and they, I mean, like they lobby. And a politician told me the other day, who was he was a fairly new politician, Fianna Fáil politician, at the um, at the SCC Stop Climate Chaos event on Wednesday. He said, like since since I've come into office, since I've become a TD, like people are just at me. You know, there's there's companies at me all the time. You know, they're lobbying constantly. Mm. Like even. Yeah, during the summer we were saying this, that um, Providence Resources sent a letter to Sean Kine, who was Minister for Natural Resources then. They sent him a letter about the climate emergency bill and how it would be damaging to, you know, Ireland's energy supply and etc. Um, and they didn't they didn't file it in their lobbying return. And, you know, so they had to be, they, well, they didn't even get a slap on the wrist for mm. it. They just got told, oh, you should file that now. Um, so like all the time, there's all this kind of under the surface pushing of politicians mm. by people with a lot of money as well mm. people with more money than us <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so interesting I how that works yeah. 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 yeah so yeah that that's something that is, we desperately need to to challenge and, and to change is the relationship between money and your power your capacity to affect any kind of change in the world around you um, and of course the companies are going to want to do everything in their power to stop that yeah. challenge from succeeding um, so they're lobbying the state a lot but they're also trying to influence public opinion with the usual kind of garbage about, about jobs and all that stuff I yeah. know the mm-hmm. Providence have come out saying and uh, amongst other companies that oil and gas still plays a big part in the Irish economy and all this kind of crack and like yeah. Shell lost billions on the car project and yeah. out of it mm. yeah. so that's that, that, that's mm. and it only created a hundred long term jobs. Yeah, that's the same with Channel LNG. They were sa- actually. It's funny. The project has been sort of around for a while, and back in two thousand and seven, but it, it ran into various issues. Back in two thousand and seven, they were saying it would, it would provide fifty long term jobs, and now it's providing a hundred. So I don't know yeah. where the <laughs> where the difference comes from. They're obviously just, but like those figures could be from yeah. you know. Where it's Energy impossible talk. to find backup from those figures yeah. and 50 like god it's t- for something that will lock us into fossil fuel for 40 to 50 years it's, yeah, it's mad no, it's 50 jobs yeah. but then you do have to be sensitive to an area you know an area where people where employment is very welcome mm. um, 
so I think yeah it's important to um, like we have been involved with there's a, a local group down there safety before LNG um, and they've been campaigning against the Shannon LNG terminal for years this is down in Ballylongford and Kerry um, and the local like it was it was mad when you talk about the lobbying the lobbying that Shannon LNG did or that the group the group that was behind it did they brought like 15 local people over to Barcelona to show them a, God, no they brought them to serious? was it Zeebrug in yeah, Belgium some... they brought them to Belgium um, first to show them an LNG terminal and then to Barcelona to show them an LNG terminal like yeah. they just brought them around on trips saying this is what we need like it's mad Shannon LNG yeah we can't afford that I mean yeah. we, we can't afford to be bringing people to wind farms yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it, it is it's like when you're when you talk about the lobby mm-hmm. and stuff like that like 90% of 99% of campaigners mm-hmm. are doing this under like in the evenings and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you're just yeah. such limited capacity so it's when you're up you are up against kind of a David versus Goliath kind of situation when mm-hmm. they have like full time lobbies yeah, uh, yeah. lobbyists who can basically mm-hmm. spend their entire working hour kind of working mm-hmm. on the these particular projects pushing politicians mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah, so yeah. it's uh mm-hmm. It, it's, a, it's a task and a half when you're that's why it's so satisfying when we win yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and there, like, it's important to remember that there have been a lot of gains in the last few years like with the fracking ban and yeah the, yeah and it was massive stuff. and that was like mm. you know there definitely it is it's there has mm. been fantastic kind of achievements in that and mm. hopefully now this Shannon mm. LNG will be the next project to kind of uh, uh, yeah. go as well fail. the yeah. fail yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And even the climate emergency bill getting to the sec- getting to the third stage like that was a big deal as well getting the vote yeah. you know because government were against it getting all the other parties to vote for it that was that was really good and it's great to see like what we're seeing recently is loads of groups kind of springing up who mm. are fighting climate change loads of grassroots groups and it's great to see like all the energy and mobilisation yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. so that's brilliant there's definitely people who are yeah people with a lot of um, enthusiasm and who are bringing kind of a lot of hope I think yeah, because mm. it, uh, it was interesting. I was watching, I was watching something on, online there the other day there about the in relation to the cop, and it was that that sweet is she from Finnish student who's about was it Greta, Greta Thunberg, Greta Thunberg, Swedish, yeah, Swedish, she's yeah. Great. and yeah. it was amazing. She just said, "Look, mm. I'm not here to, you know, ask you to do anything. I'm here to tell you that we're we're going to go out and get that do the change ourselves." Yeah. Like, and you kind of look at it like we've. We spent the last thirty years kind of playing by their rules and doing absolutely yeah. everything, and it's just it's it's still the missions keep going up. So mm-hmm. sometimes you have to kind of rip up the rule book and try something different. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I read a very uplifting article about it the other day because it, it was coming out at the time that a lot of uh, there was a lot of reporting around the UN report, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of it was very ca- understandably very worrying and catastrophic, and a lot of people were talking to me about it who'd never talked to me about it before and were like visibly shook by it. You know what I mean? But uh, the article I read was a good one, I think, because it was, a, I wish I could remember the title of it, but um, it was pointing out that while there is, there's definitely reasons for us to worry, but those reasons have existed for 20 or more years mm-hmm. now. It's not really mm-hmm. anything new. Yeah. But what has changed is that if you look at, like, government policies like that, that have been, that have been, that have been kind of forced through by, gra- by grassroots movements, and just the general, uh, like you're saying there, the the awareness around these issues now look at it now compared to even five ten years ago and it's, mm. it's the movement I think is bigger and there's a lot more just general awareness around it and that's like that's something to be really glad of and to mm. to give us encouragement I think yeah. to mm. keep it up um, so yeah that's something else I wanted to, to talk about is like the, the importance of not just rely like it's great that these bills are getting through as, uh, as well but like not to just rely on 
the state apparatus to take care of it but like that it's important that that the awareness around it in the public is just is, is really strong and that people understand why 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 these things are happening that it's not just being forced in on high like we like we see what's going on in France now like that was a fuel tax which is mm. it's kind of like how the state here dealt with the water issues like, yeah. oh, we just tax everybody mm-hmm. um, and that understandably there's a big backlash against that um, but it also involves changing the economy not just the political landscape so I was wondering there when you were talking about like the, the jobs nonsense that comes up all the time like is there any kind of counter counter statistic in terms of renewable jobs that like say the LNG terminal isn't going to go ahead which it shouldn't like what what opportunities would there be in terms of renewables for the people in that area or yeah the, like there is kind of the thing about with the kind of fossil fuel in, uh, infrastructure once we invest in it like that's it that, in like 30, 40, 50 years it, it stuck there and we have to be kind of looking into the kind of the, the new economy in relation to energy mm-hmm. so like Ireland has the, the, the probably one of the first or second biggest wind potential uh, uh, for kind of renewable energies for wind energy especially and the potential that is there is thousands of jobs opportunities in that and it'll be it'll be rural jobs but there's not only that there's like there's there's uh, obviously for solar as well and there's opportunities for new technologies like wave energy like quite recently I've seen uh, i seen uh, uh, an academic from the Mary Institute mm-hmm. and they were Cork. looking at yeah down, based down in Cork and they're looking at the possibility of having a uh, a big kind of wave energy project just not too far where the Shannon Energy project is is proposed mm-hmm. and it has potential for like 500 megawatts and with that there's obviously the opportunity to create thousands of local jobs as well mm-hmm. uh, so there the thing about it is is it like uh, there is yeah there is loads of opportunities to create more jobs for that around it mm-hmm. yeah and I have a statistic from 2015 and I'm sure it's far more now but that renewable energy in 2015 it was employing 18,000 people in Ireland and it was worth 1.5 billion to the economy and that was I mean I'm sure it's it's probably over 20,000 now you know whereas oil and gas I think employs 120 people or something in Ireland between Carob and Kinsale I mean we don't we don't have any active oil fields in Ireland so it's the two gas Carob and Kinsale Mm. 120 like so in the case of Carob there was was it up to a thousand jobs in, in the construction? And like in if, if Shannon LNG went ahead, it would be which of course it won't. Mm. Um <laughs> so we're not gonna let it go ahead. Uh yeah. So if Shannon went LNG went ahead, they're saying anything between three hundred and four or five hundred yeah. construction jobs. But I mean they're short term yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and a lot of them would be specialists brought in from mm. yeah, people who yeah. just work on these projects. Obviously, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like you saw that with the the fracking terminals mm-hmm. up in Carrick Fergus or the the test drill there. Like every, the majority of the people you heard of speaking on site had English accents, had European accents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with people from other places mm-hmm. working mm-hmm. here, but it's no one who lives here already is going yeah. to be employed by that. It's specialists who work yeah. in the industry all yeah. the time, mm-hmm. travel the world, working in the industry. Like mm-hmm. even the security, there was no local securities working yeah, on that yeah. particular project mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a myth. Yeah, local jobs. Myth. But th- that isn't that so infuriating because, like, maybe I'm just reading the wrong paper, so I don't know. But the the impression you get in kind of mainstream discourse, I suppose, is that oil and gas is still the industry tied to jobs, whereas renewables are still there's still a big question mark over them, as though they they're effective. Even though, like, it's Germany is nearly entirely renewable. Scotland, I mm-hmm. think, is getting there. Spain's yeah. not too mm-hmm. far off. No. Like, like there's more and more like it there's 
like the technology is getting better and better each year. Like I think la- like there's some sometimes there's been up to a sixty five percent penetration of of the amount of electricity that's been generated by wind energy in Ireland. So we are kind of like the global leaders of getting uh, uh, such a, a high percentage of kind of renewables online at the one time, and like it's just you see one thing I find it so so interesting is anything anytime we kind of. St- Anytime we make investments in fossil fuels, like it's like half or like 500 million or something like that, that's like 500 million and like 15 years or 20 years lost in investments in renewable mm-hmm. energy as well. Yeah. yeah. And like it's everything, like it's, it, it's not going to be, it, this whole, it's going to be societal change as well. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have to look at how much energy we use in our everyday lives and, you know, there it's, it's, it, 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 but it, there'll be massive benefits in the, in the long run as well. It's not just like indigenous energy. It's not just jobs, but it's also the health benefits mm. as well. And obviously, the main thing would be the climate change is obviously going to big yeah, impact, yeah. Mm. which affects everything. And I think people are starting to realise that now that it affects you know it affects homes, it affects agriculture massively mm. in Ireland. It's going to you know it's going to affect um, countries where agriculture and fisheries are big industries, and you know. Yeah, that's yeah. our yeah. tourism as well coastal tourism big industry here yeah. so like we have to wake up I mean yeah. we just we don't seem to like cha- it's it's because it's it's scary getting away from fossil fuels we've always you know we've always used them yeah um, it's, always yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean yeah but yeah um, because yeah we've used them for, for quite a while mm. yeah, so we yeah, just yeah. yeah we don't I mean you're always hearing like people have kind of latched on to intermittency as being the big issue yeah. with, with wind and solar you know but the wind, what do you do when the wind doesn't blow what do you do when the sun doesn't shine but I mean if we put half the amount of resources that we put into fossil fuels mm. into you know if Shell and Exxon turned all their technological capabilities and all their investment into creating large scale energy storage or synthetic yeah. hydrocarbons then you would have a solution pretty quickly to those yeah. problems it's it's people being kind of stuck in this oh you know we need to we need to be looking at a a, a better future yeah. you know and I kind of like with the kind of renewable energy uh, future it I kind of like, mm. It gives this opportunity to to democratize energy as well. Mm. So there's more opportunities for kind of like communities to have community energy, renewable energy projects like wind farms. Like Mm. and there's, you you see what like they've done in places like Scotland where they had a kind of a a target of 500 megawatts of community energies are renewable energy from community projects, and they like they reached that target like about four or five years ahead of schedule. And then there's other models in kind of like in Denmark where they, for each for each kind of renewable energy project, there has to be 20% of it locally owned. Okay. So that kind of gets local buy-in and that kind of alleviates kind of opposition. So like one thing that I find the most kind of like frustration yet positive in relation to climate change is like we have all, we have all the solutions. Like it's, mm. but it's just getting that political will, getting yeah, yeah. kind of the public buy-in. And it's that's just kind of, kind of that's going to be the probably the challenge we face. Yeah. We face, mm. and it was just, it was one kind of interesting point I just want to say as well. I was talking to an expert in relation to uh, he's an expert on renewable energies and fossil fuels, and he was saying that like obviously it's going to be a big task to get over to one hundred percent. But he's saying like it's only probably ten percent a year, ten percent of the entire year's energy usage that will result in kind of intermittency so there'll always be there'll always be sun with the solar the majority of the time will be wind will be blowing and then for those t- uh, 
those times there's the lulls there's things like uh, as you were saying synthetic hydrocarbons mm. and stuff like that like uh, using hydrogen ele- and electrofuels mm. so okay. have you heard about those before no, have no, you no. so let's so basically you kind of uh, generate kind of uh, hydrogen anytime you have surplus of wind or surplus of solar you use the kind of spare energy to generate hydrogen which then could be stored and then once once you kind of have intermittent times you kind of use you use that fuel then if that makes sense right yeah yeah because that's, that's definitely a big one that comes up in the, the sort mm-hmm. of arguments against is the issue of storage how do yeah. you store the energy so that's, yeah. that's interesting yeah. so yeah so there is the solutions are there mm-hmm. it's just the political will is political lacking will. Mm-hmm. yeah and something you brought up there as well not just the political will but the public opposition we see that a lot in Ireland opposition to wind farms mm. um, uh, I think there's a new campaign group in somewhere in Mayo now against them as well oh, no. um, yeah. and like a, l- a lot of you, s- you hear a lot of mad arguments about that they're somehow linked to cancer. I still no one successfully explained to me how that could possibly be the case. But um, um, and people talk about the de- danger to wildlife, you know, yeah. which I get because it's it's more obvi- it looks more obviously dangerous. Like it's going to behead the poor duck <laughs> that's yeah. migrating. But like other forms of energy kill mm-hmm. way way more animals, yeah, and, yeah. and birds mm-hmm. than they do, which is important to remember. But mm-hmm. um, I do think the main thing driving those campaigns is that the same thing that was a major problem with, with CARB and other stuff like that is that the community were told it was happening yeah. there was absolutely mm. no consultation yeah. and there is no real substantial economic benefit no. or social mm. benefit to the community I know which mm. would they usually like buy the local GAD team a few jerseys or yeah. mm. like take people on holidays like you're saying but in terms of long term mm. sustainable stuff there's mm. nothing so I think what you're talking about in Scotland there is, is a really obvious solution to that issue Yeah, which is to actually like ask find out you know where the places it could potentially be and then ask which communities want yeah mm. yeah, it, yeah. You know? exactly, and it's like yeah. and that's like you know it it kind of gets so much more engagement like it's not only because like basically it, it's a common good like the wind is a common good it's it's mm. it should be for the benefit of the public not mm. through private industry yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's what kind of led a lot of opposition as you were saying like basically these developers were coming in saying we're putting this x mm. y and z yeah, yeah. and community kind of this whole public pot- participation was like an afterthought mm. so that always gets that always gets kind of communities up and mm. I think like that's what we're going to have to require is like um uh, when we kind of kind of st- probably start moving towards a 100% renewable is having these big conversations like you know what what will it look like you know where what communities will be involved you know how can we get ownership models like mm. there that's how you get like public buy-in like you know like this mm. is for the benefit it's not it's not just like if you had a wind farm out the back that you own 20 percent, and every time you've seen it you wouldn't be thinking look at that ugly yoke you'd be thinking there's my pension kind of mm. uh, yeah, wrapping yeah. up every year mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so there is like it's like as i said earlier on about the with the solutions there's loads of different models out there like it was just uh, i i kind of was listening to radio earlier on i got a bit frustrated mm. because i was hearing they were they were advertising oil burners and like I was just thinking like this is like 2018 and we're still advertising <laughs> companies yeah, still adver- yeah. advertising oil burners and about four or five years ago I was doing a master's and I was looking at policy climate policy in Denmark and they kind of started they said by 2015 or 26, 2015 that they were no longer selling any sort of fossil fuel burners in their country wow. so it just shows you like we haven't even had that conversation mm-hmm. yet yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. slow going which be our next campaign yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So you were talking there about uh, communities, mm. communities getting up in arms about certain projects. Well, they're very right to really, but the, mm. the, 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 in terms of renewals and stuff like that, it should be something that they're. Uh, 
if, if it was done properly it should be something that they welcome whereas it's kind of the opposite that seems to happen it still seems to me that there's a good bit of work to do in terms of uh, kind of spreading the good word about these things I guess uh, but of course it's not just about building the alternatives unfortunately there's still a lot to a lot to combat in the here and now yeah. a lot of, mm-hmm. lot of yeah. stupid stuff to deal with yeah. um, which I suppose mm-hmm. is why why users are here talking to me they're not here not anywhere campaign is there anything you can uh, tell me about like what's the campaign up to now I know mm-hmm. you, you told me you're uh, kind of in opposition to the oil and gas drilling and the infrastructure like the liquefied natural gas uh, mm-hmm. terminal is there anything you can tell me about your ongoing activities or that kind of thing mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess for the first few months of 2019, what we'll be mostly focused on, I think, is this Shannon LNG proposed terminal, because construction is proposed to start on that in like March. Um, we're hoping it won't get to that stage, obviously. Mm. So we'll start um, in March, well, that's really soon. It's really yeah, soon, yeah, yes. Yeah, we, we really need that. to mobilise as many people as we can after, well, now before Christmas. Like yeah. we have a couple of meetings with TDs, um, hopefully lined up Um We'd really like to get an amendment to the fracking bill or to get an am- amendment to the fracking bill proposed so you couldn't import fracked gas either. Mm. Um, that would go a long way towards stopping a, an LNG terminal happening. Um, but we'll see. That's just one of the strategies. Um, if we can't get there through those kind of means, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of appetite for, you know, um, I don't know how to how to put it. Direct action. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. yeah, there does seem mm. to be like yeah, there does seem to be a lot of appetite currently in the climate movement for direct action. Mm. We've seen it there last week, or just last last Friday, that there was a, an occupation of uh, uh, one of the governmental departments. So yeah, I think that might be able to uh, something that we probably have to channel that energy into as well because mm-hmm. this uh, we've uh, as a campaign and as a, as a movement we've mm. we've kind of exercise all the other steps so yeah mm. yeah yeah and what we really need i think as a campaign is more people you know yeah. we need more people involved and it's great to see like recently in the in the climate movement like there are new groups starting to appear and like what we'd what we did about channel lng a couple of months ago is we got um a few groups together we all met up in in tullamore somewhere central and um, you know different groups from around the country who are working, who are opposed to Shannon LNG, so yeah, yeah. Future Proof Clare, um, Safety Before LNG, Love Leitrim. We all met up, and it was really productive to kind of be able to pool our resources. So we'd love to do that with the climate movement as a whole. You know, just yeah, get all yeah. the groups yeah. in a room and and decide how we can best work together. Because, like, when it comes to you know the fossil fuel lobby, I mean, we're small. You know, yeah, yeah. we're a lot smaller than them. So I yeah. think we really need to work together as much as we can. So I think that'll be part of our, our 2019 mm. work. And then in summer, drilling starts again in, oh, yeah, Providence Resources are planning to. Yeah. So. The O'Reilly's. It's all go. The yeah. yeah the, the love yeah. for the O'Reilly's. Yes. Ireland's favourite family. Um, yeah. So Tony O'Reilly Jr. The Camelot of Ireland. Uh, yeah. Tony O'Reilly Jr. Um, his company, Providence Resources, has been um, it's been drilling for oil before. This year, they've got Chinese investors to drill off the coast of Cork in the North Celtic Sea Basin. So they have that funded. Um, they didn't find any oil last time. Hopefully, either we stop them from drilling or they won't find any oil. Um, but we'll try and stop them from drilling. Yeah. But yeah, we just need people to, you people, know, get yeah. involved. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And the thing is, yeah, it's, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's going to take all types. It's like, look at it. the thing I, I find now is this kind of, uh, the climate movement is like, it's the, probably the biggest civil rights movement of all time. Like mm. if you look at like, you know, the suffragettes or 
the uh, Catholic emancipation or any of these other movements like, ab- abolishment of slavery like it's it's going to take mass movements as well of people yeah. so we like we big shout out of uh, if you ever want to get involved definitely get in contact with us mm-hmm. we're on uh, we're on Facebook we're on Twitter mm-hmm. we're on online as well mm-hmm. so Sound, yeah. so yeah. what would be the best channel for people to get in touch with just if they wanted to get involved Mm, I think Facebook Messenger. Facebook so Messenger, we're yeah, yeah. At not here, not anywhere, IRL. And then Twitter is at NHNA, I think Ireland, or is it IRL? I think it's yeah. NHNA Ireland. And the website is just yeah. not here, not anywhere.com. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. that's it. That's a good start. We have parties too, just to get that in there. Like, yeah. we are crack as well. Yeah, yeah, like we're plus <laughs> crack, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if, you know, Christmas drinks on the 19th. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have a new members meeting in January if, yeah, if anyone wants to. Yeah, that'll be a good place to start. If anyone wants to burn some activism energy. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's go on. Say your line. <laughs> no, no, no. No, it's fair. brilliant. <laughs> oh, I forget what was it. Uh, skip the gym. Skip uh, the gym. Join the climate movement. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Something cheesy. New Year's resolution. <laughs> that sounds yeah. like a good New Year's resolution. Yeah. yeah. Go on the lash together in December and then knuckle down in January. Exactly. That's it. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sounds. Yeah. Um, that's great. I think we'll have to leave with that now because that's after that's about half an hour. Now, so. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming down and talking with me. That was class. Cool. Cheers. Thanks, thanks That was Richard and Nadine um, talking about not here, not anywhere. But we, ta- we end up talking about a lot of stuff, talking about renewables, talking about all the, like, all the opportunity and potential we have for carrying ourselves out of this crisis that we're in globally, that the globe is in. It's not just Ireland that are part of this, but like we need to focus on what we can do here because the here is where we are. Yeah, and as 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 we've been saying through lots of different uh, ways, Ireland is not living up to its uh, expectations, and has failed a lot recently in general. But yeah. we can we can pick all this up. There is a lot of potential. I'm actually optimistic, to be honest, because uh, there is a lot of potential, and people understand. I was just saying this to you earlier that the situation now seems a lot worse than it did a number of years ago. But the reality is that's just because we actually know so much. There's so much more awareness in the general populace about how yeah, much of a yeah. crisis this really is and the dang- like the possibility that we you know we might not even survive it like that's it yeah things aren't actually any worse well they are kind of but they're not much worse than they were 10 or 15 years ago because like, we're on the exact same trajectory now that we were then it's still the business as usual model where you know the companies and the governments are just trucking on as though things are not especially in Ireland like this the state really do, are not acknowledging the state of the problem the state are not acknowledging the state's problem. You know what I mean? They're state not. They're, they've got their heads buried in the sand, and they're like, so that that's been happening for years. Things haven't changed. Yeah. You know, the climate change has been happening since since we started burning oil, and things it, things have been bad since the seventies. We've known, well, certain companies have known it's been bad since then. What's changed now, like you're saying, is that people know about it, and people are becoming literate about it, and they have an understanding of it, and people people're getting worried about it, which yeah. is good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's lots to be done and there's lots of potential to do it. And something that really pisses me off is it, people keep saying, oh, it doesn't matter what Ireland does because we're so small. We're not that small. 
in terms of our emission, we're, we're one of the worst performers in that's Europe that's why we should pollute above our weight kind of thing yeah, yeah. We're, anyway, we have that, the third highest emissions per capita in, in Europe like it's it's doubly wrong again because in any in any case regardless of what size you are you always do what you do even if that means that you're just being an example to the rest of like the world or yeah, whatever yeah. like I mean that's just it's just a meaningless thing to say it's just complete nonsense I mean you tie up your own mess no matter how small a mess it is like Absolutely, it's straightforward yeah. you know? or we get away with oh because we're all not, just leave us alone you know this end, end of Kenny um, uh, le- um, legacy ongoing mm. there I think a bit oh yeah yeah just yeah. keep going be grand just forget about us we're, we're, we're exceptional we're grand you know it's yeah it's part of the same logic that kind of makes that that sort of leprechaun game that politicians play yeah. being the lapdog of the bigger countries like oh well we'll just we'll do whatever you want you know where is he going <laughs> whatever you have on yourself yeah you want to yeah. ex- you exploit our your, our low tax rate that's yeah cool you know yeah, we establish as much as we yeah. want not caring you know um, we've beef to sell we've world world class beef so we were going to end the podcast by saying eat the rich folks so yeah there's loads of positive stuff to do and like we just need to do it but also you're, you're dealing with people who are much more powerful than us and who carry a lot more wealth and have a lot more influence and uh, they need to be challenged directly and as far as i'm concerned they're the ones who are going to have to take the brunt of this because it's the the oil and gas companies the big energy companies have hid this stuff i've hid this information from the public for so yeah. long they've uh it's this they don't want to lose their fat salaries you know that's what it comes down to and mm. there's no getting around that fact you know they're gonna to have to though, you know. So there, there'll be a struggle, you know. There will be a struggle, but uh, there's a lot more of us than there are of them. There so is, yeah. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> but uh, the the st- the state needs to be forced to 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 make to make the necessary changes because like, things we need are very achievable. You yeah. know, we need free public transport, which was recently done in Luxembourg, I believe, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah. We need community-owned, sustainable, renewable power generation, energy generation. Yeah. So, and that needs to be community owned and community community led, and we need we need and to locally co- supplying also exactly yeah yeah so people can generate their own energy and sell it back to the grid, and we need to be cultivating our own food, we need to be growing yeah. our own vegetables and cultivating all the food we need because right now we're not make we're not growing any vegetables here hardly any, and we're reliant entirely on animal agriculture like we need like I'm feeling a bit ranty at the moment was like talking about things that piss me off that I hear not that I hear gobshite say, this whole higher exit thing. Do you know oh. what I mean? People saying that we 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 need to leave the EU. Talking about sovereignty, that is shallow as shit. Do you know what I mean? There's absolutely nothing to that. If we want to be sovereign, if we want to be self reliant, let's start growing our own food. Let's start generating our own power. The problem isn't over overpopulation. The problem isn't the EU telling us what to do. The problem yeah. is that there is huge wealth inequality globally and in this country, and that needs needs to be tackled. And it continues on a system that keeps. Uh the likes of the oil and gas industry going and 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 general corporations but it's uh it's true that we have to take the profit motivation out of how we get things done in society in general in ireland in the world in general but without taking that profit motivation out can't be about that you know you can't like as you were saying earlier you can't have an economy that works correctly if it's being if it has to be growth all the time as in profit growth yeah yeah you have to keep that it has to keep moving the money has to keep moving in order for the economy to be good. Yeah. So, you know, a real, a real, a truly good economy doesn't rely on profit, profit for shareholders. You know, a real economy actually keeps the ordinary economy moving and keeps the, yeah. the poorest people are also like, it's just distributed out in other words, you know. Yeah. The money's so, moving around constantly. So, yeah, without it's that, it's, it's the same, it's the same, econ- you know, kind of, um, 
kind of model feeds into it just generally taking care of people and how we grow food the system we're going to have in the future for growing food we need to talk about that that's not straightforward by the way how, how exactly we're going to grow all the food for everybody but you know whatever way we're going to achieve it it can be achieved somehow but it needs to be profit motivation needs to be gone there's no way around that every time we have this podcast we always come back to that same kind of point yeah. it's about the the concentration of wealth has to be addressed there's yeah. no way around it like and again profit being non-profit doesn't mean not generating wealth it doesn't mean not sustaining yourself indeed yeah, yeah it's it, just not for those shareholders only it's actually the stakeholders you start talking about then yeah, and yeah. the stakeholders is the likes of the workers the community people's you know families all that all of that you know yeah. so there's this is not pie in the sky stuff at all actually no, it's, it's been done it's been it's been done it's been it was it would have been the norm up, up until a certain stage in most countries so it's only the past like century or two or something we've started doing this kind of hyper capitalist nonsense so that's it we're probably just about at time there probably just um, at a time I think so that's all for this month anyway um, leave it in the fucking ground yeah and please send us any uh, submissions or emails or any kind of <coughs> we are at turningearthradio at gmail.com yeah, please get involved give us a shout tell us what we're doing right wrong all the rest of it we're here our ears are open Yeah, our hands are typing on the keyboard as we speak yeah, you can find us on Facebook as well um, we're not the ceramic company we're the podcast <laughs> yeah we were just uh, looking it up there earlier it is also the handle is also Turning Earth Radio and uh, as well as that actually if, you, if you're listening to this on any kind of podcast streaming service like iTunes or whatever uh, give us a review subscribe to it and please tell people about us as well because um, we're the mouth folk yeah uh, we want these these kinds of pro- conversations to propagate not that I want loads of people to be listening to my voice necessarily and I want these conversations to spread and uh, this is our way of, of helping that happen so uh, please tell your friends about this podcast and just talk to your friends and your family about these issues in general because we need to we need to harness the collective wisdom to solve these problems and you're the only one who can do that the power is in you exactly good night folks you know what I'm assuming you're listening to this at night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well. That was a bit cheesy at the end, but fuck it. It was, Yeah. But that was even cheesier than I thought I was going to. It's like I'm getting into dad joke territory. I guess that's only appropriate though, right? It is, yeah. It's going to be confusing to edit later. Like, when does it actually stop?